0: Hello, welcome to A Leader Like Me podcast, where we will be amplifying
1: diverse voices. My name is Adwita Tal, and I'm Priya Bates, and we're co-founders of A Leader Like Me. We really hope you enjoy this listen. This week, we talked to Adina White, who is the founder and chief storyteller of Black Belt Media. She is a mission driven, accredited public relations professional with 15 years' experience leading communications efforts for nonprofit organizations. Her purpose is to promote an equitable and more just society through narrative shift and strategic communication. Adina is also one of the hosts of Black Belt Voices podcast that propagates the richness of Black Southern culture by telling the stories of Black folks down south. Black Belt Voices was recognized by O Magazine as one of the 15 best education podcasts for you to expand your mind, and in Vanity Fair as one of the eight podcasts to deepen your knowledge of Black history. I just love this conversation with Adina, Advita. What are the things that really stood out about that conversation for you?
0: Again, it's so difficult to choose just one moment from Adina's chat because she just shared so many insights and so many things that just resonated with me. You know, one of the big things I suppose that I took away was her her journey into launching that pod the podcast and the stories that she's sharing on those podcasts and how she felt. You know, this is a this is a woman who has achieved incredible things with that podcast and she was named. In Oprah's O Magazine as the top one of the top podcasts I to listen to, she's in Vanity Fair, and yet she was so humble. Was it? And you know, she she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I know it was." And uh, it was, my, my next thing was, "What's next?" And that for me was like, even this incredible woman who's done some fantastic things is still always looking ahead, right? Always like, "What next? What do I need to do next? What? How can I share these incredible stories of these people that I talk to uh, all the time?" And I loved that about Adina. I thought she was incredible.
1: And what I loved was a moment. I don't know if you remember this, we were talking about the audiences that listen to our podcasts and how we've had conversations that people think, you know, if they're a white person or if they're able-bodied or if they're cis, that that this episode is not for me because I can't relate it. And she said these words and I loved it. She said, the problem is that some people think that if it's not about you, it's not for you. And I thought that was so powerful that it was really, and it made me think that if we can't listen to other stories, if we can't listen to other perspectives, how can we truly move forward? Because we have to do it together. Yeah. And that was something that you know, really struck me in that conversation same that was so
0: powerful and I really hope that you listen to Adina's story you enjoyed the listen and you connect with her as well and, and listen to her podcast that she is is out there as well and it's in the show notes uh all the links and all the connections that you can make with Adina uh, and of course if you enjoy this episode with Adina then please do rate and reviewers on Apple, on Spotify, on whatever platform you're listening to us on. It means a lot to not only Prayer and I, but also to our guests and the incredible work that they are doing. So we really hope you enjoy the listen.
1: If you're a woman of color who is looking to build courage and confidence, join The Nest, a safe and supportive community that will help you progress in your career. You can find out more at a leaderlikeme.com. Hello, Adina. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Um, I want to start with you telling us your story about how you became an entrepreneur and podcast host.
2: Oh yeah, sure. Uh, thanks to you both for having me here. Um, I'm excited about this podcast. I really enjoy the Leader Like Me program that uh, y'all have put together. So I'm excited so to talk to y'all today. So um, just a little summary. I told this story recently and I made it really long. So I'm going to try to <laughs> condense it a little bit. But, um, you know, it was uh, 2017 when I had the idea to focus on stories about Black Southerners. And the reason was because if you follow U.S. politics, you know, in 2016, we elected, you know, Donald Trump. And that was really a moment where, you know, of course, I didn't like the outcome, but also there was a, it was a moment where I was inspired by all these people who were, who wanted to change things. Like you, you saw people starting nonprofits and doing things to help people on the margins. So um, I wanted to do something to kind of focus on Black Southerners. So I, th- I thought about having a blog because what I do is write. You know, my full-time job was I've worked in PR and communication as, you know, we all have worked in for many years. So that was my first thought was to do a blog in 2018, I finally wrote my first story after having an idea in 2017. And, um, it was, I interviewed someone who was very emotional about the way her mom helped her. She had started a nonprofit after the election. So she had a very inspiring story and she cried on the interview. And, um, it was just, and I was like, man, how can I capture this emotion in words? Like I need a podcast, but you know, I had that little insecurity, like I never really liked my voice. You know, I'm a black southerner, so I have a, I have a black scent, as you call it, a, a black, a southern accent, a black scent. I was like, I'm not a big talker, so I'll just keep writing stuff. So anyway, um, I had talked to different people when I had this idea, like different black women and people who worked in PR in my area about the idea and how they would want to help. And one woman who's very excited about it is her name is Kara Wilkins. And um, we were having coffee one day. This was 2018. She was talking about Beyonce and Jay-Z or something that was really getting her excited. And then I was like, hey, if Black Belt became a podcast instead of a blog, would you like to be a co-host? And she said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so then um, after that, um, I was talking to my sister about our hopes and dreams and things like that. We, like, we talked about that sort of thing. She said, I'm just a producer looking for a show because she's a former uh, TV producer who transitioned into PR. So she was kind of missing that type of work. So I was like, well, Black going to be a podcast now. I have a co-host, so do you want to help produce it? And she was like, yeah, sure. So she signed on, and, and my brother-in-law helped write some music that I kind of gave him an idea. He went with it, her husband, my sister's husband. I have a friend of mine who designed our logo, which has gotten a lot of positive attention. So um, our first episode was released in the fall of 2019. And then in 2020, it, early January 2020, Apple featured it on their new and noteworthy page. And then that following summer, you know, the racial unrest after the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey, Black Lives Matter movement really resurfaced. And then so, like, people were really paying attention to what Black creators had to say. And so we were amplified again on Apple, which led to Vanity Fair picking it up in a roundup of podcasts and then Oprah's, Oprah Daily picking it up.
1: So what did that feel like, Adina? Like, I love, but people will know when they listen to the podcast that I love Oprah. And the fact that <laughs> Oprah listed you as the, one of the top 15 uh, podcasts to listen to, educational podcasts, yes. must have been an amazing moment.
2: It, it was, I was actually at my uh, full-time job at the time, which is now my part-time job, but I was actually there. And then uh, I remember being tagged in a post on Instagram, like the podcast was saying, here's one of the podcasts mentioned in the Oprah article. And I was like, no, we weren't. And then like, I, I started Googling it, but before I could even Google it, I like started calling Katrina and Kara, you know, my sister and the podcast co-host and I couldn't get them. It was the middle of the day. And then so I just ran through the office and I was like, Hey y'all, I said, we were just mentioning Oprah. And so I think I fell to the floor, (laughs) kind of like, not kind of. it was pretty dramatic, but, um, I was very excited. But then of course my second reaction was, Oh my God, we got to do it better. We got to do more, you know? So that, that little like self-critic popped in, but, um, it was very exciting. And, um, and then from there, I think we got a lot more local attention. Like sometimes it takes nas- the national stuff to get local people to pay attention to things. So so it was all very exciting. And it's just kind of like just ready to keep doing, doing more, but keep it, consi- I don't know, keep it consistent. But also, like think about the next level. So that's been over a couple of years now. So it's kind of like, OK, <laughs> what's next for us? But it, it's been an exciting time. How exciting
0: is that, Adina, for you to start off? You know, what I loved about what you just shared there about you, you and your sister discussing hope and dreams and having those conversations. And, you know, we we encourage our community and a leader like me to do that more, more of that. Because we just, we, you know, what you just said there before is like, okay, you got named in Oprah. Not, what's next? What's next, mm-hmm. right? And we're always mm-hmm. kind of looking at that next right. success, Story of ours. And I do think some of that is um peppered with our um aspiration to succeed and be Mm -hmm. seen as successful and all of that kind of stuff, but also an element of credibility, right? And it's like, you know, I, I know, you know, from experience and I know from the conversations we've had in the past about being seen as someone who's credible in the work that they do. And one of my questions to you is. Did you ever believe, you know, in terms of where you are today, in terms of being the leader that you are? Did you have any leaders that you looked to when you were growing up, in terms of they've inspired me and this is what I want to do? You know, what was it like being in that environment and and having or not having? You know, you know, did you grow up with that kind of aspiration around you?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a good question because I would I would think of a leader that's more recent, but when I when I think about having people look up to part of the reason for wanting to do the podcast was kind of like to be, to connect with people who I really admired. So like people I would see on mm. Twitter and things like that, who were doing cool things across the South. I was like, Ooh, but once the blog became an idea and the podcast was like, I can talk to them and like really sit at their feet and learn from them. So I think just wanting to connect with cool people who were doing these progressive type movement things. I think that was part of it. And like, as far as a specific leader, um, I feel like Stacey Abrams comes to mind. Um, and you know, if you're familiar with U.S. politics, again, she ran for governor of Georgia and she lost. But then there's a lot of like voter suppression and stuff happening. So instead of so, she dusted herself off and formed a nonprofit about you know voter rights in Georgia. And then as we all in 2020, the whole the state flipped as far as turning from Republican to Democratic. and that was a lot largely due to her efforts. And I read her book a few years ago, and she's very purposeful about what she wants. So like, I've seen quotes I think once by Henry David Thoreau and it's like y'all can do some fact checking with me on this but I think it's craft your life in the way basically craft your life the way you want it to be and then go in that direction I'm really paraphrasing it here Mm -hmm. but that's what she did she had a spreadsheet about all the things she wanted to achieve so she wanted to be mayor of Atlanta and if she wanted so she would go and change things but she was very purposeful about like her direction so that's something I admire in a leader when they kind of know what they want and they go after it. They don't just let life happen to them. They um, try Mm -hmm. their best to kind of steer it in a direction they want to go. And it doesn't always go according to plan, but we can still have that, our sights set on something, you know? And so I've really admired that. And I think the people I admire do that very strategically and they're very purposeful about how they want to craft their career.
1: Now, Adina, I've heard your story before, but for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about Black Belt? Like what Black belt is about, and what what kind of really inspired you to tell those stories that you felt weren't available to you?
2: Oh, yes. Um, the name actually comes from there's a name I actually I actually didn't know, but um, in some southern states, they used to term black belt um, because of the historical reasons. So like in Mississippi and Alabama, the soil was rich and dark, and it was fertile for crops. So then you had enslaved Africans working the soil during the slavery times. And after emancipation, they continued to live in that area. So then it had a double meaning because it meant the soil, but it also meant the people, the black people who lived there. It's kind of like a crescent shaped region that stretches across maybe 600 or so counties across the South. We just kind of use that word to talk about black southerners in general. And and the reasons for sharing those stories was like, you know, the, the election of course, made me want to do something, but that seed was planted that kind of Black Southerners were kind of being forgotten about, and that the South was like the reputation the South had was something I always felt conflicted by because I enjoy this is my home, I grew up here. But also, we have a reputation for being, you know, racist and all sorts of things. So, um, what really sparked me into like following, um, trying to find more leaders like me, like fo- trying to find Black people and people of color who were doing progressive type work was the Charleston, South Carolina shooting. Um, Where non-black people were shot and killed by a white supremacist in church, and that was maybe uh, 2015, and that really kind of lit a spark in me. Like I wanted to kind of learn more about systemic racism because I remember, of course, as people of color, we know about racism at the individual level, but back then I really didn't know about the institutional type racism and systemic. So I started following people who um, didn't have the upbringing I had, who grew up around with black teachers and more. Exposure to leaders like James Baldwin and things like that, and have read things, so I was, I was just absorbing information and like learning from people, and that that was that kind of planted seeds. Want to learn more personally, and then connect with different people.
0: You must have heard so many different stories and inspirational stories. Is there any story that stands out to you that you would like to share today? That you think, wow, when when you heard it, you're like, this is just changing what I think about certain things out there.
2: Yeah, one that was really impactful was a story I'd heard before, but this person didn't tell their story aloud very much at this point. So he um, he's an administrator at the college in the town I live in, and um, his brother was killed in police custody back in 1960, and this was kind of like whispered about um, for years because in the 80s the case was reopened when an inmate, a white inmate, wrote this man's family saying, I know what happened to your brother. He didn't really fall upstairs, like they said. Um, He was murdered. And then so the case reopened. Uh, Bill Clinton was the governor then. And then so he helped get the the case reopened. And um, this was in the 80s. Um, Turns out the officers were acquitted. They weren't charged with murder. And then so um, that was the part that was whispered about. Like you always heard about, oh, Ronnie's brother was killed in police custody. But how relevant that is to today's times when we hear about police brutality. And that this was happening in our own community back in the 60s and covered up in the 80s, you know, like so it just it was very powerful that he trusted us to tell his story on the podcast. That was our very first season. And I just felt when I heard the audio sampled, I remember crying when my sister played it because like the music my brother-in-law put to it, and just felt very like a talk, like um, a big responsibility to get his story out there. And that made me feel like this is what we should be doing, like telling these stories that need to be told. And that That one made the biggest impact, and there's there's fun stuff we talk about too. It's not all serious. Um, we talked to an interior designer about decorating your home with plants and like you know, and she's she's um one of the few black people in her interior design program, and she tries to have an element of like black culture in her work. So we do things that are fun too, but also a little more serious. so um I think those stand out for how different they are, but like how meaningful they've been
1: now we're recording this during what is Black History Month in North America, in this side of the world. And I know it happens in other in a different month on the other side of the world. But tell me a little bit, what what are your thoughts on Black history? Is, is one month enough?
2: That's a good question, because I feel like, I mean, back in the day, people used to joke a lot more about, um, oh, we get the shortest month, we get 28 days. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've, I've seen things um, that are funny to me online. They say, I'm Black all year long, but in February, I'm Blackity Black, you know? <laughs> so um, I think it's good to put a focus and a spotlight on it. I find myself actually doing less, I don't know, Black history type content through the podcast because I feel like we'll mention it like on the show if if one if a show happens to come out, but we don't focus on it as much because I feel like we're doing that work all year long. But I think it, I do like having that focus on it. You know, as in America, we're trying to, a lot of legislatures are trying to ban, you know? discussions on diversity and things in schools. And we have legislatures that are passing these type of bills right now. It's getting very important to keep talking about it because it's still very shallow type discussions like we learn about Harriet Tubman and then we learn about, you know, Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King Jr. And then that's it. You know, it's kind of like everything's good. So I think it's very important that we have a time to focus on things and just in realizing that it's a year long, it should be an all year long 365 thing, but Let's really pay attention to it this time of year.
0: What advice do you have for people who are listening? So, in the UK, Black History Month happens in October, mm. um, and I know when that when when people are planning for that month and stuff, there there is an element of panic. I would say, mm. you know, are we sharing the right stories? Are we doing something that's you know that isn't quite right? You know, are we talking about the same thing over and over again? Are we, mm-hmm. You know, and there is that element of panic. I, I would assume and. A part of me like to your point is that it shouldn't, I completely understand the awareness piece. And I think that's really important to have that spotlight on on, on keeping that kind of you know awareness on there, but mm-hmm. also having the having it should be baked in right into everything we're doing 365 days a year, right? Right. Well, what's your kind of advice then to those individuals who want to do more, you know, past mm-hmm. past the month itself, whether that's February or October or whatever month it is in whatever country you're in. What advice do you give to those individuals who want to not be performative in what they're doing uh, and are doing genuine and taking genuine action and, make, and, and and contributing to the change that needs to happen? What what one piece or two piece of advice do you have so they don't fall into that trap of just doing performative talks and webinars and seminars and, and events?
2: I think what I always think about is um, doing the internal work, because even though I'm Black, that's how it started with me, because before I launched the podcast about Black Southerners, which I guess I could have done on my life because I am a Black Southerner, I had to do that in introspection. So I, like, I had to read from people who, talked, who studied race and who studied systemic racism and history and, and all these types of things, because I think it starts from within. So I think if people just jump out in February and they try to you know, all of a sudden be, care about things, it shows that they haven't done their, their work, their homework. And that's, that's in any kind of um, situation, you know, before we try to be performative. It may not feel feel like it's performative. I think if we haven't done the work on our own, like haven't listened to podcasts or read books or follow different people on Twitter who who think differently from us, then it's kind of hard to really be an ally or or to, to know what you need to know. So like, of course, I don't know everything. We're all still learning, but I think it just starts with introspection and uh, just listening to people who are different from you. And learning things that being uncomfortable and learning things that make you uncomfortable, because even for me, like I would read things or see things. And I'm like, as a black person, I can still be anti-black. Like we can still have those feelings, even though we may be, in my case, black or as women, we can be we can have some sexist tendencies or, or you know, we all can have these isms within ourselves if we're not careful and don't try to work those out.
1: Now, Dina, we had a conversation about the audiences we're trying to drive. I mean, you're you're sharing these Black Belt voices, the, the stories live, stories told. You're not just talking to Black people. You're trying right. to bring in a variety of people so that they understand, they can hear different perspectives. Tell me a little bit. We We had a conversation about... If people don't see themselves there, uh, they don't think it's for them. I think you said something like yes, that. Yes,
2: yes. Because a lot of times people think that. I just say white people, you know, white men in particular, but they're used to being centered in in as being the center of everything. So if things aren't about them, they feel like it's not for them. So it's like, oh, that's that's a black thing. I, I can't learn anything from that because I'm not black. But like as people of color, you know, we're used to having. To learning from people who don't look like us and to having role models and things who don't look like us. So I think um, what what our podcast does, like I always I have said before, anyone can listen to it, but it's not about you, but you can still, you can still listen, learn from it. It's centering Black Southerners, but like anyone can listen. So that's the same with anything we do. So if there's something that's for um, the LGBTQ community, we can listen to those stories and learn from people who may not be like us, but then realize that, it, that it's not about us. So I think Sometimes we have to um, just get used to the idea that not everything is centered around our identity, and just be willing to learn from other people, even if we're not used to seeing them leading on certain things.
0: And I love that, and it makes, and, and you know, to, it makes sense to us, right? Because we're not used mm-hmm. to being centered in those conversations. To your point, exactly. You know, we're taught by people who don't look like us. You know, mm-hmm. we're led by people who don't look like us. We are you know, leaving our destiny to some extent when we're working in in organizations in the hands of people who don't understand our culture and who we are. And, you know, so we're used to not having that central position and we are more open, I would say. And I'm generalizing and stereotyping here a little bit, but we are generally more open to hearing other people's Mm -hmm. point of view because we've not had a choice, right? Exactly. That's the thing. And when we talk about a leader like me and the work that we do, We do often get feedback like, oh, I just didn't think it was for me because I'm not a woman of colour who needs help to progress in my career or I didn't think it was my place to contribute to that conversation because I have nothing I can share in that space. And Mm. we know, we know, Priya and I have a saying that small ripples create big waves and those decision makers who are often the folks who um, can help change, progress, If they, you know, to your point earlier about knowledge and building your knowledge and education and putting yourself out there and being a little bit uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you have to do that in order for progression to be made. Otherwise, we're just talking, which we are to be fair, about the same things over and over again. And a tragedy needs to happen, I would say, for something, for a shock. And we shouldn't have to live in that way, right? So when all those terrible murders happened in 2020, that was, that Shock is what sent the waves through for the next peak. And I, you know, when I say to, I said to Priya at the time, the light will dim mm-hmm. on this over time because it always does. Because to your point, it's not centered on that individual. So, and right. we, you know, there's, there was a small gap for us to make an impact because people then get a bit bored, move on, they're not interested. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's, and it's fascinating. And I suppose that's a leader like me was initially created to support women of color to progress in their careers. And that is still the foundation of what we do to an extent, but now it's a bit bigger and, and broader in terms of helping allies and active bystanders and those who want to understand what changes that can help um, to, to move, to, you know, to make progression in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, on kind of the leader like me, you know, you, you've been with us in terms in, from day one, you know, you're one of our founding members. What was it about... A leader like me that made you think. Do you know what? I'm I'm going to invest a little bit of my time in this and and see because we were we were brand new, right? You were one of our first. We were brand new. I know you knew Priya from other bits and pieces that you're doing to an extent, but you didn't really know us. Yeah, you were recommended to us through a a mutual contact of ours, Erica. Yes, yes. Um, and it was Erica that said to you, "You "Need to check these out, Adina." But you know what was that? What was that thing for you that made you take that step to invest in two random women? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like <laughs> you right. didn't know so what kind of what was that but what was that motivation
2: yeah and, and I think um Erica and I had great conversations about things you know um so she as a white woman you know I think she saw a leader like me she was like oh this is a great program and she knew it it wasn't targeted toward her so her for her to probably take the program but she knew that it was beneficial and and I, and I see her amplifying the content and things so like when she shared it I went to the website just the, the things y'all put on there really spoke to me like I can't remember exactly, but. I'm sure you probably mentioned imposter syndrome. You probably mentioned growing your confidence, yeah. Um, things like that that I knew I struggled with, and I think with the podcast and things like that, when people see potential in you and you don't believe them, you're like, okay, that's not. I mean, I, I guess unless it's imposter syndrome or just kind of like low self confidence or whatever, mm-hmm. but I just knew there's some things I needed to work on in that regard. And I was at my, at the time, I think I was maybe nine years into my career. And I hadn't had a promotion, you know, and so, um, it was kind of like, what's that next step going to be, you know, cause I want to be, lo- I was loyal and I think my company, you know, they liked me where I was, but then it's like, well, how do I make this next move? Like, do I, do I become an entrepreneur full time, which I'm still kind of has to have a foot in both worlds or do I get a different job? So just kind of not, not knowing what to do. So that program really inspired me because again, it was, it was women of color, you know, people identify as women of color who, um who who just faced the same issues, even though we were, we worldwide, you know, we're from mm-hmm. different countries. So I, I think that spoke to me. And whenever I see things about grow your confidence and it was very targeted on identity and then shy away from identity conversations, that was important to me too, because sometimes we try to act like things are the same across the board, but to have that focus really, really helped. And I love the courses that the sessions that were offered, like I refer to my notes quite a bit, like the values exercise. I, I always look, about, <laughs> look at the values <laughs> exercise. Um, All the tips that we learned there have been valuable.
0: And, you know, it was, and I'm so pleased to hear you say that because when Priya and I first chatted about the program, the flight program, which you're referencing, it was, the foundation was all about confidence. You know, Mm -hmm. the foundations of all those programs, those workshops was about confidence because it is the confidence that holds us back to an extent. And that is Mm -hmm. 90% down to the environment that we're in. Okay, so it's the environment that we're in. It's the support that we don't get that knocks our confidence at times. And we almost have to, we know change is happening and change is going to take time. And we've been talking about change for decades, mm-hmm. decades, but in order for us to feel valued in the work we're doing, we do need to build our confidence and manage our inner critic to step up into those opportunities. And our very first episode with Miriam Gonzalez, she spoke about visibility. Mm-hmm. and why it's important for us to be visible exactly what you're doing with your podcast and making those voices heard and the impact it can have on individuals is another level you know your stories and the impact we've the program has had on you is what keeps priya and i motivated to keep being visible through a leader like me and helping others get to the point where they feel like they have got choices and they can make that
1: decision
2: and I'm glad you said that because before this, you know, we were talking about the podcast and uh, this podcast. And um, I was saying like, oh, I'll share it because sometimes I'm always scared to share things and, and be visible because um, I don't know if I do Enneagram stuff. I'm like a classic Enneagram five where it's like, <laughs> I have to be behind the scenes. I don't, I don't want a lot of attention on me. But then I think about all the people's stories that I've heard and that inspire me. And mm-hmm. it reminds me like when I share things about myself, self-serving, I need to think about it as a bigger picture. So like people are learning things from all of our stories, like so if if people that I really admire, I know you like Renee Brown at Vita. <laughs> so like if she didn't share her story and her work, like, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have all the things that she's putting into the world. So I think um, the visibility thing is, it can be uncomfortable at times for especially people like me. Like I, I honestly don't, I like the podcast because it's about other people. The one that I do, the Black Belt Voices, but um, sometimes sharing is kind of hard, but then it's like, this can help someone else. These are other people's stories you're sharing. and also. I mean, it's my sister's editing work that I don't want to be in vain. Like I want that to be out into the world and I want the stories to be out into the world. And so um, just just thinking about it in that way helps the visibility thing be a little more comfortable for introverted folks like me.
1: (laughs) And the podcast and the work that you've done and, and the stories that you've amplified are really your gift. It's been wonderful that you've brought these these individuals together to create something that is really magical. Uh, it's a great podcast for those of you who. will put all of those things in the show notes so so that you can uh, have a chance to listen in to some of those stories. Um, we are uh, going to our rapid fire round. Oh. Uh, you don't. If there's three questions that we're going to ask. You don't have to answer rapidly, uh, okay. but uh, but we're going to ask our the first question here is name a leader you would admire who inspired you?
2: Hmm. I guess I'll cheat and go back to the answer I said earlier. I'll say Stacey Abrams because um, she wasn't around when I was a kid, but just seeing her, she's inspiring because of she's just a go-getter and she's um, focused and she's bold and confident and yeah, I like all those things.
0: And, you know, uh, even though I'm in the UK, seeing Stacey's impact across the globe has been remarkable. Yes. And, you know, it's a woman that I have followed based on the stuff I've seen online and I can see why she would be one of your kind of inspired leaders because she oh, is yeah. she's remarkable and if you don't know who Stacey is we'll share her details in our show notes as well cuz it's someone that you need in your life and time uh feed as well in your social feeds cuz she's very motivational. Mm-hmm. Um what is the one piece of advice you would give to your younger self?
2: I would say to take more risk. And I don't mean driving fast and <laughs> drinking more but but like just <laughs> um just not being so afraid to fail because I was, I wasn't just a straight A student. I think I was a, I was a straight A plus student. So if if I got like the low, a low A, I was like, Oh, you know, and that's good to do. But, um, I think I was just, I had a lot of fear holding me back or, or people pleasing. Um, so I think I would just say, take my risk. Don't worry as much about what people think, you know? And when I say take my risk, I think about when I applied for colleges, I applied for two close to my hometown and one about, two and a half hours away and I went I went to one about 45 minutes from home, which is fine, but I went home every weekend, you know, and, unless I had to work, um, maybe once a month or so. And then um I just went home and went to the same house of worship that I went to growing up. And I just kind of kept with the same trajectory because I was like, I wanted to kind of please people and also I enjoyed it, but also it was a lot of people pleasing probably down in there. So just not be afraid to step out and to do something different, you know, visit a new church, visit a new place. Um, you know, just yeah, speak up. So I think I would tell myself those things, like, don't be so afraid of making folks mad and, or messing up. So.
1: I love that. We're hearing that same theme come through so many of our guests. Mm. So it's really something that we can take to heart. Um, what wouldn't we know about you just by looking at you? Hmm.
2: That's a good one. Cause I feel like I'm a pretty easy book to read Like people see me they're like, okay, (laughs) I don't know why, but, um, Something that's interesting that I, don't, I haven't done in like a decade or a little under a decade, but I've done about 25 Ks or, or 20 races, <laughs> which is like, if you saw me, you'd be like, she is not, <laughs> she's not a walker or runner. But um, probably in 2011, I started walking more and uh, and doing things like that. So I, I found a lot of people were doing races back then. They, they still are. But um, so I signed up for several 5Ks. I did my first Half marathon in 2012, my first wow. and last. I'm not doing it again. Um, I was <laughs> I was I was literally last. Like when people say, Oh, I'm gonna be last, like I was last, you know. Um, and That's awesome. it, it it hurt really bad. And I <laughs> told myself, like, I did sign up for another one that got canceled by snow and I was so happy. But <laughs> and so I, I did like 20 races within, you know, a few years. And then I think I burned myself out because I'm like, I'm tired of doing these. But it was it was neat to kind of keep myself going, and I was always the slowest and the last, but I would sign up as a runner because usually in these races, if you want to run one step, you sign up as a runner, because if you're a walker and you jog a little bit, you'll be disqualified. Like that's against the rules. So I signed up as a runner, so I'll always be the last runner because <laughs> I was walking most of the time. But anyway, that's just something that a neat little tidbit. I haven't done it in a long time, but now that I've kind of... Has have some years between all those races. Maybe it's time to do a couple again a year or something. But that's something that's interesting. It's like she, <laughs> she's a race or a runner. I know like, a <laughs> walker who signs up as a runner and <laughs> I have a lot of medals. <laughs> I, I get the participate the participant medals where everyone gets one, so I have a few of those, which is cool. I mean, I think
0: that's that's you know the thing is Adina. Like for to your second answer, you know, just just do it. Who cares? Like you're, you're yeah. you've got off and you've done it, and you you, you know. You may be the last but you finished right and <laughs> yeah, that's the main yeah. thing and I think that's it's what true. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and mm-hmm. it's Priya's quote which I've stolen with pride but it's you know progress over perfection yes. every time and you know I think as long as we remember that you know just and you're moving and forward every time who cares? like be lost. And, you know, I think we put, like I said, you know, we put too much pressure on ourselves to be number one or number two and all of that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes that the, the whole thing is just moving, right? Moving that's forward. That's
2: so true. That's a good analogy. Like that's, that's a lesson there with the running and the, Ooh,
0: that's, I like that. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ruin it by adding anything more to this podcast, but thank you <laughs> so much Adina for your time, your energy, your, Advice and you know I love what you do. When I remember that moment when you shared when you were in O magazine, and you know you are an inspiration to many, and we're delighted we could spend this time with you.
2: Oh yeah, you thank too. You, you so much. Thank you both. Like you both inspire me, and um, yeah, y'all y'all will be on my list of leaders I look up to. Like as business owners oh. and just as communicators and women of color, like the whole shebang. So glad to know you both.
0: Thank you so thank much. You. <laughs>